So I'm wondering, do you ever, do you ever eat dinner as a family? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you have eaten dinner as a family. Uh, to be honest, it doesn't happen often for my family. In fact, we don't even currently own a table that's large enough to seat our entire family. We moved into a smaller home, got rid of the big table. We have a table for four and a family of six. I, I need to build a, a bigger one here soon. So it doesn't happen often, but man, when it does, isn't it, isn't it just so great? Just dinner as a family until that moment that it's not so great. Like this past week, uh, Wednesday, Wednesday I'm preparing my sermon. And you never really know when you're writing a sermon how long it's going to take. I mean, for me, sometimes it can go late into the evening. Sometimes I don't get Ronnie's notes on, on Wednesdays until like 9 or 10 at night. It can go really long. But this Wednesday I happened to be uh, flowing pretty well. And I was finished at about 5 o'clock. My wife, Holly, she works uh, till about 6 o'clock on Wednesdays. And so she called me and she said, hey, would you mind if I go to the gym at 6.30? I'm like, you know what, babe, that's fine. I'm going to make dinner. I've got my stuff done. So I'll take care of dinner. You go to the gym. <clears throat> so she goes to the gym. Uh, I know she works out for about an hour. She goes to CrossFit Elkhorn, so it's an hour-long class. She'll be done at 7.30. So I'm at the house. I've got worship music on in the, in the kitchen. The kids are being annoying because that's just what they do anyway. But I'm breathing through it. I'm fine. And I'm cooking this, like, beef and broccoli with some noodles. It's, it is a fantastic dinner. And so I'm just excited. My wife, who's worked all day, she's going to come home just having a good workout. And I'm going to have dinner ready. So around 7.45, I'm like... This is about the time she's going to be home. We live really close to here, so not far from CrossFit Elkhorn. And so 7.45, I plate dinner, you know, nice little plated dinner for her. And around 7.47, she's, she's not there yet. It's fine. Totally fine. <laughs> it's not a problem. <laughs> Chill. 7.47, she's not there. 7.50 rolls around. She hasn't come in yet. At this point, like, something's happening in here. And I'm like, you know what, fine. Kids, sit down. So the kids sit down. I slam the dinner on the table. I sit down on my spot, and I'm just eating my beef and broccoli. And she walks in the door, 7.51 maybe. I mean, we're, talk we're not talking that late. She walks in, and she's all happy, right? She had a good workout, and she can smell dinner. She goes, oh, it smells so good. And what do I say? Hey, if you're going to go to the gym late at night, could you just try and get home a little faster? And from that moment... There was not a single word said the entire rest of dinner. So I think dinner, dinner time as a family, it really does prove that most of us, if not all of us, were never really given the tools to handle conflict well. There wasn't a class in school. I highly doubt it was a requirement for your business degree in college. Uh, we weren't given the book when we had kids. We were given the what to expect when you're expecting, what to expect the first year, and so on and so forth. But nobody handed you a book saying, hey, in about 13 years, you're going to want to know this one, resolving conflict. See, we all experience conflict, and it really doesn't matter who you are. In every relationship we have, we'll experience some kind of conflict. In a work relationship, it could be you and your boss. It could be you and your coworker. In our family, we experience it with our kids, especially as they get older. Uh, we all know we experience it with our spouse often. Uh, we can experience it even the most with our extended family. Uh, we experience conflict with our friends. Uh, and we know this to be true too, that the closer the friendship, the more likely it is that you're going to have some pretty significant conflict over the years. And we all tend to view it as bad. But what if I told you conflict wasn't necessarily good or bad? Uh, what if we saw conflict as an opportunity for real relational transformation? What if we saw conflict as a way to bring about real change in our relationships? See, I want to talk a little bit about that 
today. But before we do, uh, we need to define what conflict is, uh, just so we're all on the same page for today and then going forward for the rest of the series. This is the definition that we'll use. There's this guy named James, and James was the younger brother of Jesus. Uh, James also happened to be, after Jesus' death and ascension into heaven, James also happened to become the leader of the church in Jerusalem. Not, not just a leader of a small group. He was the guy of the entire church within Jerusalem. And he happened to actually be one of the key leaders in something that was called the Jerusalem Council. Uh, you don't have to have any idea what the Jerusalem Council was to know that it, it was probably a big deal. And he was the guy. And so you can imagine James uh, leading so many people, or working alongside so many people, and being the leader of so many leaders that he knew what conflict was, what causes it, And this is what James actually has to say about conflict. James says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. So James helps us so much with our definition of what we're going to use going forward in this series. The definition is this, tension between two or more people resulting from unmet expectations, unmet desires, and unmet wants. So whose unmet expectations? Whose desires are we talking about right here? Whose wants are we talking about? Yours. My wants, my expectations, my hopes. And so often in conflict, we we find ourselves pointing the finger at the other party. The other person, they're the one that causes all the conflict. They're the ones that bring about the tension and the fight. But we see here that it's from the desires that actually battle within you that cause that conflict. And you don't have to be a believer that what's in the Bible is actually true to know that this is true. Just make an honest assessment. Evaluate your last five or six conflicts that you've been in. And I can all but guarantee you that you're going to find that the tension, the conflict that you were involved in, it was birthed out of a desire that you had for something. A desire that you had that a coworker would get their job done and they failed you. A desire from a friend that he would show up for you in a specific way and he just didn't show up. A desire from your spouse that they would handle a certain responsibility with the kids and they failed in doing that. You see, conflict is hard enough for us to deal with. But when it begins to reveal the ugliness that lies inside of us, it becomes even harder. And so we want to avoid it completely. We want to run away from it. And eventually, we want to run away from the relationship that's experiencing that conflict. But what if conflict wasn't always seen as negative? What if we saw it as an opportunity to generate real change, real transformation? What if conflict was seen as a necessary part of a relationship to develop true, intimate, healthy relationships? So I've been on staff here at Relevant for about 10 years, and our lead pastor, Ronnie, and I, we were actually friends before I even came on staff. And so Ronnie and I have been friends for a long time. Ronnie and I have a lot of the same uh, leadership abilities, some of the same skills. We we differ in a lot of ways too, but we're kind of all, we're both kind of alpha male leader type of guys. And before I came here, I had my own business for about 10 years. So I worked for myself. I did what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. I paid myself what I wanted to pay, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was all me. I didn't have to worry about anybody else. And yet I came on staff because I believe that's what God wanted me to do. And so now I'm working alongside Ronnie. And you can imagine uh, that for a long time, 
we did not fight well. <clears throat> there was plenty of conflict, but we did not know how to fight right. And in fact, there's tons of stories. Ronnie's told this one before, but there's, there was a time <clears throat> where we were in a leadership team meeting. So everybody's in the room with us. Every leader uh, that serves on staff here at Relevant was in the room. And I, to this day, I don't, I don't remember what the content of the meeting was or what caused the conflict. All I remember that there were some words said that I can't say up here. And I know that, like, I stood up to be the bigger party, to be like, you know what, I'm fine. I stood up to leave the room. He assumed I stood up to fight. And so he stands up. And so now we're in a room with all the leadership team in there. He's standing there like this. And I'm going, no, dude, I'm trying to leave the room. And, like, he didn't even understand that I didn't want to actually go fisticuffs with him in this meeting. So that's Ronnie and I. That's the stories that we have to tell. But I'll tell you what, over the years, we've actually gotten a little bit better, touch better. We've actually learned to fight right. And so now Ronnie and I have a relationship that is so far beyond what it could have been had we not learned to fight right. Ronnie and I have an intimacy, a, a, a trust, a love for each other that goes so far beyond what it would if we never learned how to deal with the conflict that we were going to have correctly. And so now I'm so grateful for it. For conflict to be used for relational transformation, we must be willing to use it, not diffuse it. For conflict to be resolved in the right way, we must be willing to walk into it and not just simply run away from it. We oftentimes want to run away from it because we're scared of what might actually take place. See, to resolve relational conflict, we must learn to fight right. That's our big idea for this entire series. You see, one of two things will happen in a relationship that's in conflict. It will resolve or it will, or it will dissolve. And it all depends on if you learn to fight right. For those of you in the room who have yet to, to say that you're a follower of Jesus, you're still trying to figure this whole thing out, resolving conflict, restoring relationship could be just as easy as saying, hey, you know what, I can work in the same room as that person and not want to fight them, not want to kill them. I can show up at the bar with some friends, they can be there, and I can still enjoy myself. But for those of us that call ourselves followers of Jesus, that are actually trying to live out a life where we allow him to lead our lives, restoration of the relationship, resolving conflict goes so much further. You see, we should always be asking the question, what would God have me do in order to restore this relationship? We should desire the restoration of the relationship so that we can live in harmony and in peace with everyone. Ultimately, it's our desire that we maintain the relationship so that we can maintain influence, so that we can continue to be pointing that person towards Jesus. And this isn't just for people who have yet to put their faith in Jesus. This is for my best friends. This is for people that I know already have a relationship with them. I want to maintain relationship with them so that they can point me towards Jesus and I can do the same for them. But in either case, follower of Jesus or not, it's always more rewarding to resolve the conflict than to dissolve the relationship. But to resolve the conflict in a way that restores relationship, we must learn to fight right. And so that's what we're going to do over the next four weeks in this series. We're going to learn what to do when, not if, you experience conflict. But real quick, let me stop right here before we go much further. I want to make something abundantly clear about today and about this series going forward. I am not speaking about relationships where you're experiencing abuse. If you're being abused by somebody, you should not want to restore that relationship. 
Not until that abuser is no longer abusing you. Not until that abuser has sought forgiveness from you for the hurt and the pain that they've caused you. And not until they've gotten the help that they need. And so many times, even at that point, it still may not be a wise decision to try and restore that relationship. You see, what we're talking about in this series, what we're talking about today is resolving normal uh, everyday interactions, normal everyday relationships that we have. And the Apostle Paul gives us some good insights, some awesome insight into how we are to fight right. He did so in a letter that he wrote to the church, to the followers of Christ in Rome at the time. Let me go ahead and set the groundwork for what's happening in Rome. See, there's some Jewish Roman citizens who live there uh, that I assume at some point probably made pilgrimage down to Jerusalem. There were a lot of uh, holidays, a lot of different uh, rituals, a lot of different things that they celebrated that they would go to Jerusalem for. And so I imagine this. I imagine a, a Roman Jewish citizen making their way down to Jerusalem, maybe running into a buddy, maybe running into a cousin. And the cousin's like, dude, you would not believe what has taken place over the last three years. You haven't had a chance to be down here, so I know, but you would not believe the fact that there was this guy, his name was Jesus, and he did some crazy, amazing things. They seemed like magic tricks for a long time, but the craziest thing he did was he claimed to be the Messiah. And man, I didn't believe it either. It sounds insane. I certainly didn't believe it when the Romans, you know where you live, the Romans, when they came down and crucified him and he died because I watched him die. Like, I didn't believe it then because Messiahs don't die. But dude, three days later, I saw him. He was standing right over there. And so I went and talked to him. I went and talked to him. And, and now I, I'm a full-on believer of the fact that Jesus was our Messiah. And, and so his Jewish cousin's like, yeah, I believe you too. I, I think he was our Messiah. And now he's a follower of Christ. He goes back to Rome. And so he goes back to Rome. He starts telling other Jewish Roman citizens about the same story. And they begin to put their faith in Jesus as well. And they begin to build the church in Rome. Well, you could imagine there's also plenty of other Jewish people who have chosen not to believe that. And so you have your law-abiding Jewish Roman citizens, you have your follower of Christ, Jewish Roman citizens, and they begin to create such conflict with each other over Jesus that Claudius, who happened to be the emperor of Rome at the time, in 49 AD, kicks all the Jews out of Rome. Not just the followers of Christ, every single Jewish person they kick out of Rome. And so while that's, this is going on, you have Roman citizens uh, non-Jewish Roman citizens who have also put their faith in Jesus. So they begin to take over the growth of the church. They begin to share with more and more people about who Jesus is, and the church continues to grow in Rome. Well, Claudius dies eventually, uh, and the Jews begin to make their way slowly back into Rome. And now you have the, the Jewish Roman citizens who put their faith in Jesus, who started this whole thing a while back, and you have the Roman citizens, the, the non-Jewish Roman citizens who have built this church while they were gone, all back in the same city. And you can only imagine the conflict that would take place at that point. Now they're arguing over what color the carpet should be, whether there should be drums on stage or a harp. They're just going back and forth at each other the whole time. Tons of conflict. And this is what Paul is speaking into when he writes his letter to the church in Rome, in Romans 12. You see, Paul knows that they need to learn to fight right. And God knew in his sovereignty and his understanding of all time that one day you and I would need to learn to fight right as well. And so here's what Paul says in Romans 12. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with the people of low position. Do not be conceited, 
and do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. See, Paul, he says, when someone persecutes you, bless them, don't persecute them. But what we do so often is somebody will say something nasty about us, something rude about us personally. They'll attack our political views, our stances there. They might even attack our spiritual views, our beliefs. And we just throw the insult right back. Well, Paul would say, no, to fight right, when someone persecutes you, let it in there. Stop the persecution loop. Stop it from continuing on and on and on by being the one to bless them first, to love them first. So let's think back to what James tells us about where conflict comes from. Paul goes on, it comes from inside of you. You desired or expected love from someone, but received evil. So you fight right by letting it end there. If you have kids or if you've ever been around kids, you know that the desire to repay evil for evil is kind of built into our DNA. She stole my blanket, so I took her bear. You know, as my kids got older, my sons, now teenagers, he accidentally bumped into my chair, so I punched him in the nose. Like it just keeps going on and on and on. And that's all they want to do is repay evil for evil. But you end the cycle by asking God this question, God, what would you have me do to do right in their eyes? And then Paul goes on to prove that he understands that he's talking to human beings, to real people and not robots, when he adds this, and whenever possible. You see, Paul acknowledges that it's not always possible. Paul acknowledges the fact that we can do all that we can. Uh, and if it's not reciprocated on the other end, we may never actually be able to resolve that conflict on our own. But he says, as much as it is possible, and as much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So Paul just listed a bunch of things to help us fight right. When, not if, conflict happen, happens. But what he didn't do was mention really anything about what conflict relationally, horizontal be, horizontally between you and I, does to our relationship with God, the vertical relationship that we have with God. See, conflict in my relationships doesn't just hurt me. It also hinders my fellowship with God. You see, you cannot be in a wrong relationship with your neighbor and be in a right relationship with God. Ronnie has said it this way in the past. I think it's very true. I'll put it this way. You can't be in a deep, unresolved, unresolving conflict with one of my kids and still think you're cool with me. I think it's very much the same way with God. The Apostle John tells us that whoever claims to love God but hates his brother or sister is a liar. See, relational conflict doesn't just hinder my fellowship with God. It also hinders my prayers. The writers of Scripture tell us also that relational conflict impacts how and when God chooses to respond to our prayers. It's a really tough thing for us to hear, but it really means that there's no blow-up fights with your wife on the way to Sunday morning gathering and then standing in the room singing praise the Lord. It's a waste of your breath. Peter actually tells us when speaking about marriage, he says, Husbands, love and live at peace with your wife so that nothing will hinder your prayers. And I don't know about you, but when I want something from God, when I'm pleading with God to move in my life in a powerful way, I don't want anything blocking that. 
If you remember the past couple weeks in our starting point series, Ronnie mentioned that for the follower of Christ, sin doesn't break our relationship with God. It hurts it. Well, I think very much in the same way, conflict doesn't keep God from hearing our prayers. It hinders the effectiveness of our prayers. And going on, it hinders my own happiness. You don't have to be a follower of Christ. You don't have to believe the writers of Scripture to know that this one is very true. Because you know that when you're in conflict with somebody relationally, it's nearly impossible to live at peace with yourself. Conflict with somebody you love, conflict with somebody you work with, it'll steal your joy every single time. And so to resolve relational conflict, we must learn to fight right. And Paul listed off a whole bunch of things to help us learn to fight right. And we went through reasons why I believe we should want to learn to fight right. But I don't think you'll ever remember all of those uh, when you leave today. I don't think by the time you get to lunch, I don't think you'll remember much of them. So over the next four weeks, we're going to do our best to take a deeper dive into different ways that we, we can give you tools to help you learn to resolve conflict. So I believe you should totally come back for those four weeks. But what about today? What about this week? You see, I, I came up with three different next steps that I think that you could take right now. Uh, even without a, a ton of tools and a tool belt, I think you could walk out these doors right now, utilize these three steps, and begin to see real change take place in your relationships. Either way, these next steps will be important in resolving whatever conflict that you find yourself in in the future. So if you need to hang on to them for the next four weeks, do so. But I believe you can implement them today and actually see some real change. The first one is this. Don't ignore the conflict. Conflict is never resolved accidentally. You don't ever stumble in to conflict resolution. The concept actually of time healing all wounds is, is one of the more ridiculous things we've ever let into our vocabulary. I mean, if you think about it, a, a cut, a wound, time leads to infection. And infection, if ignored, leads to death every single time. And so time does not heal all wounds. The only way to resolve conflict is to walk into it, to face it. Second, fight the fear of conflict. The fear of conflict is actually as old as time. If you think all the way back to Adam and Eve in Genesis, the beginning of our Bible, he says this, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. He's saying that he knew that he had done something that he wasn't supposed to do, and he was so scared of the confrontation of the conflict with God that he hid. See, the fear of conflict is really just the fear of being exposed. Uh, fear of, of us being seen for who we are, for what we've really done. Fear makes us defensive. We, we put up our, our fences. We get defensive as soon as we get fearful. Fear makes us demanding. We start demanding the things that we want from the other person. We, we don't really fear conflict as much as we fear the emotions involved with it. Only courageous people walk in to conflict. Only courageous people are willing to use it and not diffuse it. Only courageous people resolve conflict. And then the big one, number three, make the first move. In every situation that you're in conflict, you should constantly be telling yourself, it's always my move. If you think back to my dinner story earlier, 
I should have been thinking the whole time it's, it's my move. You've all experienced it relationally. You, you all know that there's something in your head, man, if I just say this one thing, if I just say this, it can be over. And so I'm sitting there at the dinner table and I know it's my move. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to make a move. And I said, so what, you're just going to give me the silent treatment all night? <laughs> it was the wrong move. I, I admit, wrong move. But I knew it was my move. It was fine after dinner. We fixed it all. It was good. <laughs> Jesus actually tells us in Matthew that if you remember that someone has something against you, go and be reconciled to that person before you ever come to worship. This is one of the more difficult things to wrap your mind around. And, and even when I wrote it out this week to think about the fact that relational reconciliation, restoring relationship that is in conflict is so important to God that it takes priority over your worship. Restoring relationship is so important to God that it takes priority over your worship. And so to resolve relational conflicts, we must learn to fight right. And so let me ask you this question. Who are you experiencing relational conflict with right now? I doubt that I need to pause for very long for that name or those names to come to mind. And so I'll ask this question, what can you do to make the first move? Don't take my example, make a better move if you're gonna make the first move. But what can you do to make that first move this week? See, I don't think you need to have all the tools and the tool belt to know that there's something inside of you that you probably know what that first move is and I challenge you to make it. You might be thinking, but I don't know how to make the first move, that's fine. Uh, like I said, we'll be talking about those things over the next four weeks. But let me challenge you with this. Make the decision today, at least. Make the decision in your seat today, or if you're watching online, make the decision today that when God prompts you throughout these next four weeks, as you, as you sit in here, or if you watch online, that when God moves in your heart and you, you remember somebody that you're in conflict with, or, that you would make the first move. And I'll tell you this. It's because learning how to fight right Learning how to make the first move, knowing what that next step is for you is the best way, the best way for you to bring true peace and joy into your life. It's the best way to restore that relationship with somebody you love that you so desperately wanted to have back in your life. And ultimately, Learning to fight right, making that first move is ultimately the way you strengthen your relationship with God. Let me pray for us. God, I'm so grateful, uh, so grateful that you allow us the grace uh, to learn. You allow us the grace to do something wrong, learn from it, and take steps going forward. God, I believe what we read in Matthew, that you care so much about our relationships with other people that you would rather us take care of that than, than stand in here and sing songs of worship. God, help us to know what next steps that we can take. God, I pray that over the next four weeks that, that people's names would come to mind, that we would know uh, who it is that you want us to put this effort towards. 
And God, ultimately, when this is all said and done, when this series is over, that as a church, we can do a better job of loving and living alongside anybody, a follower of you or not, and be in right, good relationship with them to maintain influence going forward. Father, we love you. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Hey, Matt. So, uh, um, hello, everybody. Hey. Uh, hey, it's Ronnie. <laughs> So this is so, hey, because you chose to air our, air our dirty laundry for everyone, I thought I'd come back out here and air yours. No, I was kidding. Uh, do you, want to, do you want to tell them what word you said? No. No, okay. Uh, don't. <laughs> don't want to do that, Matt, but thank you for bringing that up. Uh, so, I, um, you know, I'm so excited for this series. I'm so excited for the series because, man, relational conflict's hard. You and I have experienced so much, and I actually wanted to come out and ask you a question um, that, you know, you didn't, really, you didn't really address, but I think it's so important, even as we kind of end this, and even as you launch in, and we all launch in these next, next few weeks, for you and me, you're right, man, for so many years, we just didn't fight right. It, it hurt our relationship. Mm-hmm. When we learned to fight right with one another, uh, our, relationship, our relationship grew, yep. and it could have gone, I mean, we, there, there's actually not even really a reason you and I should be standing here right now. We, Probably not. We, we easily... Because Matt and I will tell you, we're so much like, we easily get into conflict a lot. And everything in our lives intersects. And, um, and we just learn to fight right. And we have an amazing friendship today, amazing partnership today, uh, you know, in, in leading our church together. And so for you, I'm interested, because uh, I'll tell you what mine in a second, but what was like the main motivation for you to like figure out how to fight right with me? Like when you say, ultimately, here's why I wanted to figure that out. Yeah. Um, I would say... Ultimately, I wanted to maintain influence, yeah. um, relational influence. I, I, I don't know if you've ever, there's a book out there called How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. Uh, it's a fantastic. If you're not the top level leader at your place of work, uh, it's just a fantastic book. And, and it helps people know, people like me, who are not the top dog yet. I, and <laughs> but I will let you be. <laughs> yeah. I'll give I will hand it over if you'd like it. It really helps. It you. pays really good. Yeah, I yeah, want yeah. you to know. Sure. Uh, it helps you know how to how to maintain that influence, that relational yeah. influence, so that because I want to have impact on our organization as a whole, and and uh, and I know that you know if, if our relationship wasn't in the right spot, then I can't have influence with you or uh, or in our organization as a whole. So yeah. that was one reason for sure. Yeah, for sure. And and I mean, you've actually shared that with me before, and I appreciate that so much. For me, one of the reasons I want to learn how to fight right with you and even with, you know, some of our other staff because, man, we, we get into conflict. We just, it just, it just happens. And um, it's ultimately because uh, I care about you and I wanted our relationship to continue to grow. And you said it. I mean, dude, we, there's not a lack of conflict between you and me, but because we've learned to fight right, um, and, and really, I probably give you more credit than anyone in the context of this relationship. For, Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fair. Uh, man, like we have a love for each other, an intimacy with each other, yeah. a commitment to one another. We wouldn't have, because you, if you'd have seen some of our conflict throughout the years, you'd go, those guys don't even like each other. But really, we, we've grown to love and respect each other. Yeah. And so I just wanted to just come out and just give the white, like, if you're a follower of Christ, if you have put your faith in Jesus, we know that Jesus says, right, like, my number one new command for you is to love others just as I first loved you. So even if, like, we're not, like, wanting to be best friends with the person we have conflict with, our relational, you know, the, our relationships with one another is so important. So we, I am so excited for, 
for the next few weeks for really for all of us to learn some of these tools as Matt talking about in different aspects of our relationship. Yeah. So anyway, I just want to come out and do that. Uh, I'll let you get everyone out of here. Good game. Solid work. So just so you know, the most common conflict we have currently in our relationship is whose arms are bigger than the other one. But that's about it. I, I, whatever. You can see, decide who wins that one. That's fine. Hey, real quick, if you're new here, sorry that was weird, the little butt slap thing. Um, we'd love, if you would want to, we'd love to stay connected with you. <laughs> that was about the worst transition ever. Anyway, anyway, we would. So if you would text the word connected to 55444, we'll get you set up on our email list and you can find out more information about how to stay connected here at Relevant. Uh, for those of you who are in the room, if you have any questions about faith, uh, about Relevant, about why Ronnie slapped my butt today and why that's okay for us and whatever, you can ask those questions in the Next Steps area. They'd love to talk about that. <laughs> and so you can hit the Next Steps area on your way out this morning. But otherwise, we'll see you guys next week. Have a great week.